When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hail you heroes, hawks, heralds, crows, pirates, and wardens. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we unpack, discuss, and galaxy brain about all the lore behind the Dragon Age series. We are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe, from character deep dives to exalted marches and elven gods. We will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about Dragon Age and its lore. And I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And we're here to continue with our Elven Gods series. We are indeed. And my name is Shelby or Sheacup. And we are continuing, like you've said, talking about the Elven Gods. And today we're talking about one that is, I think, a little bit lesser known, but still has a lot of lore implications, and that would be Andriel. Yeah, I don't know a lot about Andriel other than a small fan theory and that she has a relation with uh, Ilanon. We will definitely get into that later on in the episode. So let's just dive right into the fun facts and the trivia. So the first one I have is that in Trespasser, you can acquire a unique bow named Andriel's Gift. And it's actually one of only five weapons in the entire game that deals elemental damage without having to add a rune. Which is, I think, fitting, seeing as how Andriel is the Huntress. Um, and then you can also find Veilfire symbols in the Exalted Plains that depict a very interesting story. You can see a hawk and a hare chasing the sun. You can see an ancient riddle where the owl sees the hunter. The holla flees the hunter. The dragon hunts the hunter. And the wolf outwits them all. So... You may be able to guess, and we might get into it a little bit later, that the hawk, hare, and owl are all representations of Andriel. The holla, we can imagine, is a representation of Gilanon. And the dragon, we can guess, is a representation of Mithal. And the wolf, of course, is a representation of Fenharel. So my question is, who is the hunter? Um, No idea. Not even a guess. It's really interesting because I also think um, 
I think that Dirthamon um, is also affiliated with the owl, I think. And then, of course, um, Elgernon is the sun. So who the hunter is, uh, is, is greatly narrowed down, but I think we could make definitely the argument for Tevinter, perhaps. We could also, the hawk, well, I don't know, because like, I know Elgernon is God of the sun, but also he's, the sun is also his dad. Yes. Yeah. So there's that. But- yeah. It's definitely an interesting little, uh, representation. So, but let's move on. Uh, my last trivia fact is just in the similarity to Lord of the Rings, um, because we have Andriel spelled A-N-D-R-U-I-L, which is the Thetis elven god, goddess. And then we have Aragorn's sword, which is named Andoril, which is spelled A-N-D-U-R-I-L. So that's that's too much of a similarity for me to just discount it entirely. I'm, I feel like the developers or writers took inspiration from this a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, but also like, you know, Aragorn is like a ranger and a hunter and all of these yeah. things similarly. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into um, everything we know about Andriel. So first, we always talk about names and symbols, right? So she actually has a ton of names. I think the most of all the elven gods, which is interesting to me. But we have the Huntress, Lady of Fortune, Sister of the Moon, Mother of Hares, Lady of the Hunt, and Goddess of Sacrifice. I think we have a lot of names that signify violence, perhaps. Um, We have a lot of names that just are more aggressive um, than, than what you may have been expecting. But we also know that she obviously is like goddess of the hunt. Like she is over hunting all of that, but she's also affiliated with the domains of blood and force. I just have one question. And it has no like big serious lore implications. But are nugs hairs? Would Andriel be goddess of the nug? Well, I think you can make that argument, but there are, are also hares and rabbits that we see in game. And seeing as how nugs are specifically underground primarily, I would say no, because they're associated with the dwarven realm. That's fair. Just, Sorry. just thinking about that. Sorry to burst your bubble there, um, but it is what it is. Um, and then before we get into her constellation, I should also mention that she's associated with a lot of different animals. I think obviously because she is the huntress, um, but she's primarily associated with the hare and the hawk in imagery. And then the Dalish also associate her with the owl because it's believed to be her messenger. So like when a Dalish person sees an owl, it's like, oh, Andrew has a message for us. And then just lastly, like Mithal and Elgernon before, Andriel also has an association with a constellation. And hers is the constellation for Vanus, which is often referred to as the oak because it does look like a tree with large branches and a healthy root system. So Andriel is associated with that constellation. Um, okay, so before we get into the roles and relationships with the Evanurist, do you have any thoughts so far? So we see the Norse and 
inspiration, but there's a lot of Greek mythology and the inspiration in this entire pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of Artemis. So let's talk about her roles and relationships among the Evanuris. So I think first thing to note is that she's said to be the daughter of Mythal and Elgernon. This is really significant because she's always listed first in their children. Um, and there's some, with at least Falandin, there is some question if he actually is their child too, um, along with obviously Gilanon, Silas, and G- or not Silas, um, Gilanon and June, they are also could be Elgernon and Mythal's children, might not be. We don't know. But with Andrew, it's very specific. She is their child, period. Like there's not really much other lore out there that says that gives us an alternate um interpretation. So for at least Andriel, she is definitely their child. Um, and of course, she's also the huntress, the great hunter of the Evanuris. And she created the myth, the Veer Tanadal, which um, in Elven means the way of the three trees. And I think we have talked about this very, very briefly before, but I want to get into it a little bit deeper. So the way of the three trees is kind of like a guiding light for the Dalish. And there are three aspects, obviously three trees. So first we have the Virasan, which is the way of the arrow. And the way of the arrow is to be swift and silent. And then second, we have the Vir Borasan, which is the way of the bow. And the way of the bow is to be flexible. And then thirdly, we have the Vir Adalin, which is the way of the wood. And the way of the wood is to be humble about what you've received. So we put all this together and we have several different characteristics that we should follow with how we live and how we behave. And that is to be swift and silent, to be flexible, and to be humble about what you've received. Now, like I said, this myth is a guiding light for the Dalish, but it's actually also a poem. And we do have a copy of this poem, and that comes from the Andriel Goddess of the Hunt Codex. So I wanted to read it all um, because I think it's really interesting. So let's get into it. The Codex says this. Hear me, sons and daughters of the people. I am sister of the moon, mother of hares, lady of the hunt, Andriel. Remember my teachings. Remember the Vir Tanadal, the way of the three trees that I have given you. Vir Asan, the way of the arrow, be swift and silent, strike true, do not waver, and let not your prey suffer. That is my way. Vir Borasan, the way of the bow, as the sapling bends, so must you. In yielding, find resilience. In pliancy, find strength. That is my way. Vir Adalin, the way of the wood, Receive the gifts of the hunt with mindfulness. Respect the sacrifice of my children. Know that your passing shall nourish them in turn. That is my way. Remember the ways of the hunter, and I shall be with you. The first thing that kind of stands out to me is that I'm thrown off by this sister of the moon. I was for a little bit sister of the moon because I thought that, you know, Mithal is goddess of the moon um and so i was like well no but mythal's her mother but if you're taking it from the thing that mythal makes the moon creates the moon to complement the sun then makes a little more sense 
Uh, I think it's interesting about just that the interest it's interesting to me this way of like being swift silent flexible all very like woodsy kind of creatures um and like as a guiding light for the dalish uh does that mean they all are to be hunters like andrew or just in general like they're like what is the rules themselves you know like yeah um, yeah, I think that's a good question. And I, I don't necessarily think everyone has to follow this. I think this is very much something that the hunters of the Dalish abide by. And I, I think it's something that they honor all of them, but not necessarily follow to a T unless you're a hunter. But I do think it's interesting to me because I do think that among the Dalish communities that we've seen, I think they all follow this remarkably well, maybe not perfectly, but generally, yes, like they all are very swift, silent, like they do not uh, make themselves known to to Shimlin. They um, don't waver in their beliefs. They um, try not to let their prey suffer. Like we don't see Dalish torturing um, their prisoners generally. Um, and they are flexible. They have to be because they're nomadic, because they've suffered great mm-hmm. oppression. Um, they're resilient because, again, they're nomadic and they've suffered great oppression. They are strong because of that. Those things have made them strong and I think stronger than some other communities we've seen. Um, and they respect the sacrifices of the people who came before them because they honor those people. And so I think that we see the Dalish actually following this remarkably well, which is ironic because I don't think Andriel follows this um, at all. And I do have several stories and tales of Andriel to back up that claim. So are we ready to get into it? I am. Okay. So firstly, Andriel creates great, significantly overpowered weapons, including, but not limited to, a golden bow created from a storm and the screams of wind and a golden spear created from the radiance of stars that emits unbearable heat. I don't feel like that is a uh, yielding or pliant weapon at all. Um, Second is Andriel killed the creatures that Gilanon created for almost a year without impunity. So she's not receiving the gifts of the hunt with mindfulness. She's not respecting the sacrifice of Gilanon, um, etc. Andriel also hunted mortals as well as animals, thus making her the goddess of sacrifice. Her followers basically begged her not to hunt them. I don't feel like that is... Uh, not letting your prey suffer or to respect the sacrifice. And then, you know, we also know that she stalked the forgotten ones in the abyss, which ultimately drove her out of her mind. And in this quest, she is said to bring plague and beasts to Thetis that were not there before. Um, And the only reason she ended up stopping this hunt is because Mithal forced her to and stole her knowledge of how to reach the abyss and the void. And as a reminder, if you need it, the void is kind of a place of nothingness that's beyond the fade. And it's mentioned in both Elven and Chantry religions. So again, I don't feel like that is in any anywhere near following the um 
Veer Tanadol, Way of the Three Trees. So those are several stories we have of Andriel. And I just feel like in all of them, she is not honoring the spirit or the letter of these rules that she has set forth. And we can discuss this last one in a little bit at length after we talk about how or how she is not following the own rules she set up. I wonder if this thing about hunting mortals happens after she returns from the abyss void and she's gone mad. Um, And it's just interesting because like Elgernon and Mythal, at least with them, like Elgernon, you kind of understand, like you get what you get. Like Elgernon is very clear about what he represents and what he's about. And so, and he sticks to that. Whereas I feel like Andriel is a little more fluid of whether or not she obeys obeys the guidelines she set forth is dependent on her mood. Yeah, I very much agree with that. And I also feel like she's fickle. Um, She changes her mind. She is not beholden to any of the things she's ever said before. Whereas I feel like both Mithal and Elgernon, they are very, um, maybe rooted is not the right word, but like they are not going to just decide one day to throw out everything they've said previously but i also feel yeah yes consistent i also feel like with elgernon and a little bit mythal but primarily elgernon just because we know more about his backstory and mythal kind of appears out of nowhere elgernon i feel like has a reason he's justified to act the way he does uh he's he's seething with rage at his father for the way that his father treated his mother and i get that i totally understand you know having this rage within you that can't be quenched by anything because of the way you were brought up i get that um but with andriel like she's raised as a child of gods she's given every privilege in the world and so it's just frustrating and i guess it is also consistent for andriel to behave this fickle privileged lifestyle because that's generally how people who grow up in privilege severe privilege like you know the child of a king or queen or god or president whatever um I guess it it is consistent with that, but it's just really interesting uh, situation dynamic we have going on here. Right. And it's interesting. It's also interesting to me. And like I said, in this comparison with Artemis, like this, other than like her being goddess of the hunt and the moon and like some relationship to the moon, that's where the similarities with Artemis end because Artemis is typically kinder to humanity or an apollo both which you know there's a reason that apollo demeter and artemis are the most worshipped of the greek pantheon in the world because they represent the things that the everyday person needs hunting agriculture and the sun mm-hmm. and then create follow also music and creativity and other things like that 
Yeah, and that's a very interesting and good point you bring up, which we will get into probably in the next month or so um, with some of the other Evanuris. But like you said, let's move on because this last story that I brought up of of Andriel stalking the Forgotten Ones and going and hunting in the void is actually a really important lore story. Um and I want to bring in a theory just really quickly. I know we're not spending a lot of time focusing on fan theories, but this one I think actually has some validity to it, even though it has not yet been confirmed in game, in lore, or by developers. Um, but this story basically of Andriel hunting in the void has inspired the fan theory that perhaps Andriel is the one who brought the blight to Thetis rather than the Tevinter Magisters. Yeah, I definitely see the chem- compelling evidence for all of this and like somewhere in the recess of like we have pictures of our timeline that we made when we were starting this podcast throw it back like two years ago um three years ago yeah almost 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 and so like i just feel like the timelines don't really match up and like maybe like the first blight is it actually the first blight? It's just the first recorded blight. But I think that the existence of the architect and the existence of Corypheus lend a lot of evidence to support the Chantry story. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think with some things that were presented in lore, like the Corypheus and the architect, and you know, Corypheus doesn't like he could be lying. But Corypheus doesn't strike me as a person who lies. And he states that he's seen the throne of the gods and it's empty, which states that he did, in fact, reach the fate. And that's what caused him to be the way that he is. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think, though, you know, the void, the abyss is said to be beyond the fade. It's it's in a different area of the world, of the universe. And so I think it's entirely possible because we know that this all of this is pre-separation between the fade and the material world, prevail. Um, but we don't really know timeline beyond that. Um, so I think it's entirely possible that Andriel brought the blight back from the void the abyss and you know hit it somewhere in the fade or or it lied dormant for a long time until the Tevinter magisters discovered it i personally think both of these things can be true at the same time um but that's because again we really don't have the details on the timeline right and maybe the reason that you know the black city is black is because of what Antriel did. And the reason that the throne of the god is empty and the maker is silent is because the maker is gone. Or is because of what the Tevinters did. I think that's right. possible. I think that's mm-hmm. very possible. Um, but this is a fan theory. Don't get us wrong. This is a fan theory. Um, not confirmed lore. We're just theorizing here. So unless you have anything else to add on this particular subject, we can go to the mid-break and then come back. All right. Let's go to the mid-break. So you like to read. What's wrong with that? It's frivolous. There are more important things for me to do. That's just her favorite. Nobody asked you, Tevinter. <laughs> I couldn't finish the last one you lent me. I actually feel dumber for having tried. 
It's literature. Smutty literature. Whatever you do, don't tell Varric. Mm, no offense, but might I try? I've got a quick hand, after all. Ha, let's see. Oh, when was the last time I slipped my hand into some dark hole? Hmm. I remember a long story, that. You hurt my head sometimes, Solus. Yes. I have been known to do that. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about things that have to do with the podcast, but not anything Dragon Age lore. And it's, so it's here where we thank our patrons. Uh, thank you to our first patrons, Genesis and Lisa. Um, if you want to join us on Patreon, you can do that and get merch starting in 2024. We did a merch round this year with some stickers that were awesome. And we are with stickers, which are awesome. And we have some new design stickers that are coming out in 2024. So if you like those or you saw the sticker designs, and you're like, oh, but oh, I missed it. We have new ones coming and you can get in on there um, by signing up at patreon.com slash DA Lorecast. We also want to issue a thank you to our Nug King, Lewis H. Now, Lewis H is abdicating his crown. Uh, recently uh thank you so much to lewis uh, for all the support and what he's done and the ways you've helped us continue making this show if you visited our website the cuspodcasting.com lewis designed that he did that for us and so we greatly appreciate all of that and we patiently await the arrival of whomever is crowned the new nug king so we do have a review to read today, and that's a great way to support us is to leave us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. Um, and so this review comes from Confetti Queen Lola, and it says, It's been delightful getting no to know the Cubs. Their amazing dive into lore and fun fan theories is in, in every episode. This is another great one. Also, Austin is all of us in a fight. Me, 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 me. Now, I don't really know what that is in reference to. I'm sure that it is something that I said in a previous episode, but I don't remember. So if you do remember, please let me know what you're talking about, because I'm sure it was hilarious. And thank you so much for that review. Uh, and lastly, the last thing I have to tell you is to join our Discord server. And so if you join our Discord server, the Cups Podcasting and More, you can come hang out with us and talk about all things Dragon Age or our other shows or Baldur's Gate or just random stuff. It's a great place to be on the internet. And that's all I have for the middle of the show. Abominations are always so awkward at family reunions. Have you ever seen an abomination? They are ugly. Dorian, those words you say, what do they mean? What, you mean like mendicant? Ultimatum? No arse when you're mad. Vishanti Kofas. You're swearing, I know it. Vishanti Kofas. It's Tavine, relics of the old tongue. We still use the colourful phrases. And it means what? Literally, you shit on my tongue. <laughs> You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. All right, let's get back into it. Okay, so I have just a couple more things to tell you about Andriel and um, her roles and relationships among the Ebeneris and in ancient Arlathan. So first, it's temples. So we only know of one shrine or sanctuary to Andriel, which is... Um, 
actually in the Dales. There is a house that's named La Maison Vert or the Green House. And it is said that that house was built upon and around the ruins of a sanctuary dedicated to Andriel. So we don't have an official temple or anything like that for her that we've ever been to in game. And then, of course, lastly is the Valisleen, which um, Andriel's Valisleen, the simple version, looks like a bow and an arrow superimposed across the face. Imagine it as if the arrow part is vertical down the nose and mouth with the rest of the bow going across the brow and then around your cheeks and chin. And the complex version is really similar. It just has some extra lines on it. And that is her Valisleen. So let's get into folklore and legends among the Dalish. I I know that I said earlier that Andriel is like the only one that doesn't have disagreement over who she is, if she's whether if she really is Elgernon and Mithal's son or daughter, whatever. Um, that that is mostly true. I did forget that uh, there is a small segment of the Dalish community who believe that her role is that she's a child of the earth, um, which would make her actually Elgernon's sibling um but that is a small minority view so anyway the the majority of the dalish communities do believe that she is the daughter of Mithal and elgernon so in a way to me this does make sense because Mithal is associated with the sea and elgernon is associated with the sun so andriel as the earth even could come from the two of them if we ignore elgernon's mother i don't know um but it, it all kind of is is mixed mashed all together in there and um we tend to not really know what is the truth here um maybe one day we'll get some clarifying information but right now i think it's safe to say that andriel is the daughter of elgernon and mythal and then um also you know earlier before the mid break we talked about the way of the three trees i would be remiss if i didn't say here that that is very important in dalish culture it is something that they remember and teach one another as well as principles they live their lives by and like we talked about earlier it's especially important for the dalish hunters um the dalish also revere andriel because andriel's beloved was gilanon who was said to have originally been one of the dalish before andriel elevated her to godhood um so that is also important and then in one dalish legend dirthamon gave a secret to every creature in thetis and the foxes traded theirs to Andriel for wings. So this is kind of just a Dalish story that they tell like around a campfire and stuff like that. And then in another legend told by Felison in um, The Masked Empire, Andriel confronted Anaris, who was one of the Forgotten Ones, and she confronted him over the right to punish Fenharel. But in the end, Solus outwitted both of them. I think this last point is really interesting because Solasan is implying that I can't remember in the lore that if there's a point where Solus captures Andriel and there's a point where they want to punish Penharel for that, or if this is implying that the Forgotten Ones and Andriel are trying to punish Penharel after he's sealed them away. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, nonetheless, but that's about all I have about Andriel. I know that you maybe had some more just general overview thoughts, um, to share about her before we get into our side character. A lot of thoughts. Like obviously there's the comparison with Artemis, which we alluded to there. I don't think if I was Dalish, Andriel would be one of the ones that I would want to follow. Okay. I think that I would view her, as you said earlier, just kind of fickle um, and unreliable in a lot of ways. You don't know if she's going to help you or harm you. Mm -hmm. So I guess that begs the question, what Dalish God would you follow? I think based on the three that we talked about, um, I think that I would probably follow Mythal. I mean, that's the... interesting. See, I have a soft spot for Elgernon um, because I am filled with rage and it is unquenchable and knows no bounds. So I like Elgernon. Um, don't know what that says about me other than I'm fucking crazy. But I think it's fitting for you to like Mythal. But I, I do think, Austin, for you, um, once we get through all of them, maybe this is a conversation we can revisit. I think that Falandin might be your, your guy. Hmm. Maybe that's a good uh, patron chat thing. With yeah. Ever- which Evanerus would you would you worship and follow? Yeah, that's a good one. I was just gonna say that's all I really have. I mean, not a. I mean, some interesting points, but not a lot to like really grab onto as far as Andriel's personality, because I feel like we get so much conflicting reports of what her personality is actually like. Well, let's get into our side character for a minute. Um, now, today's side character is none other than the original Dalish elf that we simped over. Solus who? No. I am talking about Tamlin. So if, if for some reason you don't know who I'm talking about, Tamlin is one of your temporary companions that you get during the Dalish Elf Origin and Dragon Age Origins. He is a childhood friend to Mahariel and a fellow hunter. So let's get into his story for a little bit. Um, basically, while you're out hunting in the woods, Tamlin and Mahariel meet three humans who claim to have discovered ancient ruins in a nearby cave. And it turns out to be kind of true. But before you go investigate, you can have a conversation with Tamlin. You can basically say that you, as the Dalish elf origin, you only went along on this trip to be with Tamlin. Tamlin. And so if you choose this dialogue route, it does lead to a uh, mini romance, basically, where other people throughout the game will refer to you um, being very close with Tamlin or that they, you know, would have gotten together if what happens had not happened. So it's, it's not really a full romance, but it's kind of, it's just a little, just a little fun fling, kind of like how in the Kuzlin romance or Kuzlin origin, you can um, hook up with one of the servants or actually, I think there's another, a guy you can hook up with too. Anyway, it's just kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Now, in the ruins, Tamlin has discovered a very strange mirror in which he sees images of an underground city. 
The mirror reacts when Tamlin touches it, and then a great blackness covers the mirror, and some kind of entity notices Tamlin's presence. As we know, this mirror is an alluvion, and the alluvion basically bursts after all of this. So when that happens, Tamlin disappears, Mahariel passes out, and later, as Mahariel, you wake up later to the realization that, okay, you've been rescued by Duncan, nobody knows what's happened to Tamlin. You go searching for him, but you only find Duncan, who then tells you that there's no hope for Tamlin, implying that Tamlin has been touched by the dark spontaneous in some way. The game goes on, and Mahariel must too, and for a while, we forget about Tamlin. However, you may not know that he comes back. Much later in the game, your party can be attacked at camp by a group of seemingly random shrieks. After the shrieks are dead, Tamlin appears, but he's no longer the Tamlin that you once knew. He has lost his hair, his skin has a deathly pall, and he is suffering from the effects of darkspawn corruption. He is now a ghoul. He basically begs you not to look at him and runs away. You can go and question him more, and he does still have some of his memories. You can have a little conversation, but he's already hearing the call of the darkspawn. He begs you to end his pain. Any attempts to help him and save his life will not work. Ultimately, he will attack you, claiming that the darkspawn song told him to, and so you have to kill him. Later on, Alistair will say that his death was a mercy. During the Urn of Sacred Ash quest, he will also appear to the Dalish Warden in the Gauntlet and will reflect on mistakes in his life. And then we very briefly, very briefly, we also get an appearance from Tamlin in Dragon Age 2. You may not know that. But during Act um, during Act 3's fight with the Pride Demon in Meryl's companion quest, there is an illusion of Tamlin fighting against Hawk's party with the other Dalish elves who have died due to the Alluvion. So that is his last final appearance in Dragon Age. Um, he's dead, so there's no way he could possibly come back as far as we know, unfortunately. Um, but I do believe that Tamlin is one of the one of the people that the community, the fandom simps over. And so I am curious to the answer. Why, why, why do elf simps go feral over Tamlin? And I asked this in our discord server and we had a good conversation about it, but I have a quote from someone named baby Jaybird um, in our server who said this, everyone loves a good tragedy and it's so devastating when you see him again, it's practically Shakespearean. And so I brought that quote because I think it's really true that his story is very Shakespearean and it touches on just some of those story notes that are like iconic and they are iconic for a reason because they touch us. And so just the, the heartbreaking bittersweet um, ending of this where you know he's not no longer in pain, but also you're the one that has to kill your first love. Like, that is devastating. So I think that is at least one reason why elf simps go feral over Tamlin. But Austin, I'm curious as to your thoughts about this character. He is an elf, has a mini romance with you, but it is a chaste romance. And apparently we love chaste romance with elf men. 
Do we? I don't personally. I mean, like I like Tamlin a lot. I just am not about the chase to romance, but um, that's that's me. I will say, this is off topic, I will say I appreciate that Solace's romance is chased because I think you get into some really murky consent waters when you consider the sheer power and balance of a god and a regular mm-hmm. human being um, having sex with each other. So... There's that. But this is not an episode about Solus. This is an episode about Andriel and, of course, Tamlin. So I liked Tamlin. I thought he was nice and fine. I didn't necessarily think that he wasn't someone that I went feral over personally. Um, I liked him. He was my friend. But I wasn't like my Dalish elf wasn't pining over Tamlin for the rest of the game. Yeah, I um only realized how much people like Tamlin when we started doing this podcast and I started getting more into the Dragon Age community I honestly forgot who he was yeah I remember that and it's Uh, fine that's fine to each their own right um but I think Tamlin's like that opening of the Gala Shelf era for Elden anyway and Tamlin is that we know from the calling that the blight can exist in inanimate objects like it can it like it doesn't affect and change them but it can like like they talk about the blight being on the walls and the deep roads and and so obviously like the blight has like attached itself into this alluvion and so my question is is it like does the blight that infects both the dalish elf and tamlin is it on the alluvion or did they open the alluvian and let it out i i don't think we know the answer to that question um i would have to go back and rewatch the scenes for the origin but i don't remember i don't think he like steps into it or anything i think it's just been in this cave undiscovered for so long and the humans turned away and the elves went to investigate i'm not sure though that, I just think that's interesting, but I do like Tamlin. Uh, there's not really a companion in the um, any of the origins that I'm like, oh, this person is terrible other than Jowen. And that's really it. Yeah. Yeah, I think all the origins have really lovable uh, temporary companions. Like Kuzland has their mom. Mm-hmm. City Elf has Shiani and their dad. And even Soros. Um Dalish Elf has Tamlin. So, yeah, I think that's fair. And so I do like Tamlin. I think he's a good character. I think that, and what the origins, what the origins do that I think do does better than any other game in Dragon Age, and this just goes with all of these characters, is that it really sets the stakes for you and gives you your motivations for how you're trying to um, to get to Ostagar. Like the motivations that get you to Ostagar feel really, really well-written and really well-motivated. Mm-hmm. And I think that what happens to Tamlin, and that's the point of like, one, the Daily Shelf becomes the Grey Warden out of survival. But like, there's also the thing of like, well, I have to, like Tamlin is dead and sacrificed his life for this, whatever. And so I need to do something. Okay, well, that's about all I have for this episode, too. So I'm good to wrap it up if you don't have any final observations. 
All right. Well, then let's wrap it up. Thank you for bringing all of this research on Andriel and Tamlin. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age lore cast. Thank you to our Nug King, Lewis H. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's easily the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. You can find us there on patreon.com slash dragonagelorecast. The Dragon Age Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.